Coming down the poinsettia. Chapter 14. The Misery Troop. I never should allow myself to walk away from that lunch of Diane. Ever. And I, I allowed myself to get browbeat by the cast and crew of that fucking picture. <laughs> I let those older than me smart asses intimidate me right up off my ass and walk away from what very well could have been a classic opportunity for me in Hollywood or a classic nothing. I don't know. We'll never know. You know why? I have to lift that shit every time I hear about that fucking movie. <laughs> All right. Hey, would you believe me? If one of the big reasons why I also got up and got the fuck off that movie set was because Summer was taking me out to dinner that night. That's right. I've been back over at B's. She was back in town from business and taking me out to dinner in Koreatown. And, well, I was fucking pumped. We were sneaking around, keeping the affair pretty secret after that point, Summer and I. After I was wrapped in the set, I jumped on the Ninja and hauled ass back to West Hollywood. Got back to the Alta Vista Apartments. Parked, went upstairs. Apartment was quiet. Empty without her folks. No Harvey, no Kim, no mom. Jenny, James, everybody was gone. It was just me and B now. But even she wasn't there. Yeah, apartment was empty. Of course. Yeah, she's working. Beatrice complained to me that, you know, she'd pretty much spent $500 a day every single day her folks and her sister had, you know, been in town. It was a lot of fucking money way back then. Yeah, that's why every time that phone rang and it was Rosemary, she was up and gone out there whipping ass. Yeah. Now I'm standing in this apartment. I, too, had just come home from work. Still scratching my head, wondering if I almost got cougared. <laughs> okay, shut up. Anyway, um, Summer called me the night before. Yeah, and of course, I was here at the apartment by myself. And um, she said, hey, come over tomorrow, you know, we're going to go out and eat. So, man, I put my bag down. I was feeling great. Took a quick rinse off shower and took off on foot down the service road over to Poinsettia and hooked it over to Summer's. She gave me the keys to her, her core and had me drive us to a uh, little restaurant called Ham Hung. This is dive off the beaten path in Koreatown. I, God forbid, I can't remember where exactly. It was in, you know, a little hole in the wall. That's what it looked like. It was literally a freaking hole in the wall. But, damn, was I impressed by that restaurant. I'd never been in anything like that before. The host... Very um professional, well-built, handsome, 30-something-year-old Korean fellow, I'm guessing. Brought us into the restaurant, showed us a table. He was really polite. I don't know. I just know this. He was super, super nice, super, super pleasant, and I could tell he really had a super, super fucking eye for summer. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't blind to that. But, you know, hey, he was a 30-something-year-old, and uh, he... It was a maitre d' at a pole-in-the-wall Korean restaurant. It was a hell of a lot more than I had to show. Professionally, politely, the man showed us to our table. 
And me in my boots, jeans, and t-shirt, as usual, sat down, along with what lit the room up. Summer. She's wearing a sleeveless sequin print sundress, the pair of flats. Beautiful auburn hair, hers lay across her shoulders, not entirely covering her cleavage, but kind of and not really, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I was going to dine on Korean barbecue. They had little grills built in the center of these large wooden tables. Servers would bring out big platters of thinly cut strips of beef or pork, and you'd grill it yourself. I mean, damn, it was good. Stunningly delicious. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed all kinds of shit for the first time that night. Squid or octopus or some shit. I don't know. We put the shit on trot lines. Caney River back home. Fuck yeah. Now I was eating the shit in a restaurant and enjoying it. (laughs) The soups, the meats, the vegetables. Fuck that seaweed shit. Ugh. I'm not even sure I was supposed to eat that, but hey, didn't keep <laughs> didn't keep summer from stopping me, so I shoved a piece of my mouth and fuck, that was a mistake. I immediately spit it out into my napkin. <laughs> anyway, at that Korean restaurant, my um my palate was broadened that night, and I was having a freaking great time to just be there with her. I love listening to her make fun of me. I smiled and laughed watching her make fun of me. You look like a skinny, naked little lobster lying on my bed. She laughed, making claw motions with her hands. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever tan again. I laughed, pouring myself another glass of that whatever the fuck. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I'd have to go back, Brent. She remarked, wiping tears from her eyes. That night at that Korean restaurant was significant. It was the first time the two of us, you know, without having to worry about somebody walking in or coming around a corner. I mean, a time without sex involved where we could just sit face to face and look at one another and, you know, and and talk. And it turned out better than I thought it would. She told me about her life back home. How she had left high school a little early to go to college and, well, eventually, like so many others, the boy had brought her out to the coast. That had been her fiancé, John, who had apparently convinced her to come out, but after enlisting in the Air Force, he abandoned her. Yeah. Well, with nothing else to do in the L.A. Metro, she started working for an agency in town for eventually doing her own thing at Classic Touch. I make more money with Rosemary than I ever could legally. She expressed. After downing the rest of the rice wine in my glass, I settled back against the booth. Does it bother you? I mean, I mean, to do what you do, you know? I quietly asked, running my fingers over the back of my head. Sometimes, she acknowledged. But for the most part, no. Does it bother you that I do what I do? I looked up. She was looking right at me. I didn't look away. That was significant. Brett, 
she asked again without blinking. Does it bother you? I remember shrugging my shoulders. Sometimes. But for the most part, no. Thank you. She smiled back. Becoming increasingly more and more difficult to go back over to bees. I mean, it really was. I mean, I knew I had an obligation, but the fact was, I just didn't give a fuck anymore. I wasn't alone anymore, you know? I had somebody I really loved, and I had somebody with me I felt really loved me, you know? As fucking disgusting as it sounds, I didn't give a fuck made it increasingly difficult. I mean, for instance, it was three in the morning. Summer and I just finished fooling around. I had to get up, get dressed, and try to weasel my way back over to Beatrice to not erase, you know, suspicion. I was married to Beatrice. Yeah. Her folks weren't here anymore. That means it was all on me. Nobody to make excuses for me. Mm-mm. Immigration, you know, they could show up to the upper apartment at any time, day or night. They did spot checks like that just to ensure marriages were genuine. Well, ours was completely disingenuous. It was a fucking joke. But had they showed up and I wasn't in bed with Beatrice, guess what? It could throw up some red flags and they could say, you know, me and Beatrice's agreement didn't mean shit anymore because she'd be on her way out of the country. Naturally, it scared the shit out of Beatrice. I want to make it perfectly clear. It was absolutely shitty. I felt totally shitty for how I did, Beatrice. Make no mistake about that. I did. I felt bad. I didn't just wander, amble through the days, not giving a fuck at all. I realized Beatrice had spent thousands of dollars on me to help her. And I was, well, not really failing. You know, we got past the wedding, didn't we? Yeah, I just hadn't been around much since then. Beatrice had hired an expensive lawyer in Century City to help push the immigration status through. She'd flown her family out from Denmark, spent thousands more in a mock wedding. Now, just as everything was coming together, I'd found my place in a bed with another woman. I didn't want to come home. This wasn't just any woman. This was my first love. This is my first love. That outweighed anything. Beatrice could throw at me money, anything. That's why I didn't give, I didn't drive the ninja. At all anymore. I don't remember driving the Ninja after a girl with crazy brother. She probably got pissed and took the keys away. I can't, really can't remember. But anyway, back to Poinsettia. The day soon arrived, and Summer is going to be flying up to Montana to break off her relationship with John. Just as we had discussed that first day in her apartment, sitting there having grapefruit. Yeah. I quietly listened as she spoke to John over the phone about the trip. She wasn't mean to him. I mean, there were times when she might have been a little short with him, but, you know, she was real cordial on the phone to John, and I didn't hear any screaming coming from his end, so I'd watched her pack her bags. She was taking several outfits in order to stay with him on base. I thought that was peculiar. Those are some mighty nice outfits. Was she going to hook up with a colonel or something? 
I didn't say anything. I just watched her pack. I mean, I knew she was going to have sex with John. But how can I let that bother me? I've been doing her for a little while now, John. And keeping the bed warm, too. You better believe it, man. <sighs> that was enough to keep my jealousy at bay, okay? The, <laughs> the vindictive, the vendettas of a 19-year-old brat. I also listened when Summer called Rosemary to inform her she'd be out of town. Good Lord. Rosemary squawk is so fucking loud over that phone. I heard it from the living room. Baby's safe, honey. Have a fun, safe trip. Summer shook her head. It's not going to be fun, Rosemary. Afterwards, I drove Summer to the LAX. During the trip, she placed a healthy wad of 20s in my hand. Being that I was driving, I couldn't necessarily count it, but damn. It was like a fistful of 20s. What the hell is this for, Summer? Walking around, money, she replied while rummaging through her purse. Oh, my God, how much is it? She pulled the visor down and applied some eyeliner. About $500, I think. Oh, fuck, that's a lot of walking around, I exclaimed, trying to hand it back to her. I don't need all that, Summer. Take it, she said, pushing my hand back towards me. Look at me. Let's just say it was the money I got when we were together the first time at Rosemary's, okay? I looked up at the light. Back down at the cash, then at her. <sighs> Summer, you don't have to give me my money. That's This is your money. I'll be okay. No, Britt, she breathed. Look at me. Bashfully, I looked over. She batted her eyes. It's not my money. It's your money. I didn't want your money then. I don't want it now. Take it back. And Summer did that. I realized she was taking Rosemary completely out of the equation. I grabbed her, we kissed, and I drove her to her gate. Have to admit, after seeing her off the airport and during the drive back to West Hollywood, I there I was driving a car up the San Diego freeway, windows rolled down, music blasting. I was in love. I had money, I had places to go, I knew people. Well, I know this shit's getting ready to hit the fucking fan. <laughs> yeah. Terrified. Terrified that I'm going to wake up one morning and um, Summer's going to kick me to the side the same way she was getting ready to stick it to John. I thought about that, Sure. I wanted to accept what was happening, but still couldn't believe it. <laughs> Nevertheless, I wasn't going to let all that self-doubt fuck up my weekend. First thing I did when I got back to West Hollywood, I picked up the phone and I called my friend Barrick. I wanted to treat the guy to a great night out on the town in Hollywood. We had a home base apartment to operate from, that being Summers. You know, I had wheels if need be, but most importantly of all, I had a pocket full of money. Yeah. Barrick took the call when I made it. I explained everything that was going down. He enthusiastically agreed to drive in with his girlfriend, his new girlfriend, who I was looking forward to meeting, um, her friend, and then some friends of hers, and her. basically the whole fucking group was coming. Just a uh, collection of bored, shitless Southern Cal teenagers that had absolutely nothing to do but follow Barrick to West Hollywood where I was and... Well, believe you me, the show would have sucked had anyone been left out. 
Barrett, of course, brought his new girlfriend in with him. Her name was Michelle, of all names. <laughs> Michelle was a petite, brown-eyed, long-haired brunette who loved wearing thermal underwear with long summer barn dresses and Reeboks. She was a truly beautiful young woman who'd grown up on Janine. Julie was her best friend. And I swear to God, if Cindy Crawford had a younger sis, it would have been her. Small mole accentuated her dimples and piercing eyes every time she smiled. Jill was another old friend of Barracks. She showed up along with the gang. She might have been 19 or 20, I think. Yeah, she was total punk rock, as was her friend Chris, who came along, too. Chris was a tall, skinny, platinum-white-haired, chain-leather-clad, thrash-metal-looking guy who could dance like a motherfucker. The guy had the natural ability. He could line dance in a country bar, this fucker. He could dance to any salsa music, anything waltz. I'm sure he could waltz. He was born to dance, but he dressed like, well, a fucking yeah, thrash metal nutcase. And then finally, of course, the guy that came along, the guy got to meet for the very first time, one who rolled all the way in from 29 Palms, Christian. Christian was more reserved, more refined than any other barracks friends. Christian was about my height, slender, black hair, dark eyes. He watched a lot, didn't say a lot, just listened, spoke rarely. When he did say something, it was usually smart. I knew nothing about him, made me reluctant to know him at first. First thing we did was, well, yeah, cocaine. We had to have that. Everybody looked at me. I'm the Hollywood guy. Who do I know? I had plenty of contacts. Wasn't going to drive Summer's car to get it, but I would go get it. So after making the uh, coded phone call, I had Bear lead me and Michelle out to his car, and, um, well, we made our drive over to my friend's house to get, yeah. I had Bear just park his vehicle right in front of the front vestibule of the building. He left the motor running, jumped out, and well, I was sitting bitch between him and you know Michelle, pretty much on the hump. That little piece of shit car he was driving. <laughs> I sat and I watched Michelle comb her hair. Brush that quite a bit, I asked. Every day, all day, two, three times a day. She smiled. Uh, for a reason I still can't explain, we kissed. I don't know why. We had a bad habit of doing that when we were kids. After the coke run, we were doing lines back at the apartment on the cheap glass-top wicker dining room table in Summer's dining room. Not once did I ever stop to think of just how disrespectful I was being this summer. I just had money. I was being young, immature, having a good time. No excuses. Sure, Barrick was a friend. I even knew Michelle, you know, just weeks prior at his behest, I'd gone to see her perform Guys and Dolls and Whittier. Yeah, so I'd kind of met her and got to know her a little bit, but everybody else? Huh? Took me a few minutes to realize I didn't know anybody who was there in Summer's apartment. Yeah, we were snorting and smoking coke in the dining room. Summer didn't even drink. I guess it crossed my mind, and that's why I realized maybe I need to take the party outside. So immediately I stood up. Hey, I announced. 
standing up behind the cheap wicker dining room table. Christian turned the music down in the stereo in the entertainment center. Eric stopped making out with Michelle on the couch. Everybody else was either sitting down, standing around, but they all had the same look on their face. Y'all want to do something real fucking cool? Something I'll bet none of you have ever done before. Now that was a bold statement. I was making the Southern California kids, but I made it just the same, and believe you me, I wouldn't have said it had not been able to back it up. And I was going to take them somewhere they had never been before. The Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Named after the 26th President of the United States. Built in 1926. The Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel represented the true golden era. Mary Pickford's money built that hotel. That's right. A woman. Douglas Fairbanks. Sid Grauman. Yeah. Who is B. Meyer, all who financed the project. By God, it was Hollywood legend. And I wanted my theatrical group, my little theatrical troupe of miserable marauders from all over Southern California to see it the way I had. Our cars pulled up and we all exited towards Hollywood Boulevard. What are you talking about? Christian remarked. We've all been here. Yeah. Chris, Julie, Jill, and the entire gang chimed in. Immediately, I jumped out ahead of the group, stopping them before we reached the street. I hear what you're saying, man. I hear you, Christian, I said, looking him in the eye. But have you ever seen this place from up there? I said, looking 12 stories up at the neon sign glowing in the night. (laughs) I clearly saw the smile reach his face before he looked back down at me. Before he could say anything, Barrett chimed in. Fuck yeah, man, let's do this shit. I showed them how to navigate their way to the fire escape. It's the quickest way up. (laughs) Just had to have the balls to do it. When I was roommates with Mark back at Don Dominguez Apartments in Carson one night up there in Hollywood Club, and he run me by, he showed me the path up there, and since then, I love to go up on my motorcycle, and, well, I'd sit out on the ledge, you know, my feet dangling out over Hollywood Boulevard, staring out over Man's Chinese Theater to set Caddy Corner right across the street. This is true. Oh, I swear. The silliness of kids, but I took my group up there that night. B's folks had stayed at the uh, Hollywood Roosevelt one night, and, well, I still had the cards, so I made sure I hung on to them fuckers so we wouldn't catch any shit from security. So when we walked in through the front lobby door, here comes security, but I was holding the cards up, and, of course, I had Michelle hold the card up, too. He immediately stood down and made it clear we'd be right back, just running up for a quick drink. We went upstairs to a certain floor, propped the door open, got to the fire escape, and up on the roof of the Hollywood Roosevelt, those Southern Cal kids went to the Oklahoma floor. It was fucking beautiful. (laughs) I watched Chris and Jill and Julie and all of them, like, (laughs) climb that big fucking iron neon sign they shouldn't have been up there but they went at it anyway 
I showed Barrick and Christian the ledge that I like to walk out on. That was a careful walk. You got to be real careful. One slip of the foot, down you go, 12 stories. Well, after a little bit, there we all sat. I'm sitting up there on the ledge by myself having a drink and of old people. Barrick's girlfriend, Michelle, the one who'd grown up on Janine fearlessly tiptoed out on that ledge in her little Reebok and her long barn dress. Hey, get over how high up we are. Be careful, hon, I said, helping her as she took the seat next to me. Okay. What are we doing here? I looked at young Michelle who sat there with me on this fucking ledge 12 stories above Hollywood Boulevard. I didn't have an answer. got lit up by a police chopper. I was fucking surprised. I don't think the police chopper was called in specifically for us. I think they just happened to be flying by, saw the guys up there on the um, sign, and just let them up. Yeah. By the time we all made our way back down the fire escape into the hall, security was already on us. We all scattered throughout the Hollywood Roosevelt. And we were running down stairwells and different floors and everything. I managed to navigate my way out without getting apprehended. Nobody got apprehended. Let's get that right. Christian Bear and I, you know, we stood out in front of the hotel, took in a head count, and everybody made it clear we vacated. I felt like a real asshole when I woke up the next day in Summer's apartment. Everybody had gone home. Nobody had done anything wrong. Everybody was cool. I just felt like... I felt like I had used her to entertain my friends. Because I had. The apartment was dirty. It was filthier. Beer cans and cigarette butts and shit everywhere. Summer didn't smoke. Look at me. I embarrassed myself. Without even thinking about it. I jumped up and immediately started cleaning the place up. God damn it. She deserved better than this from me. Fuck. For that matter, Beatrice deserved better than this from me. Thanks for listening to uh, Bumming Down Poinsettia. This is a uh, copywritten text, property of Joke Man Productions, LLC. Thanks for listening this week to Chapter 14. I am Stan the Joke Man, Stan Sires, author of this uh, book. Um, chapter 15, Immigration Birthday, back next week, same time, same place. Of course, Stan the Joke Man Show, back on Friday. I knew. Tell me. Bye, Candios, me amigos. burning with the hope of inside feathers 
Books the colors of a bright elation stolen 